So this morning, we're going to talk about something that none of us can relate to, anger, right? So we don't want to turn into those people. Those were in other languages because I'm pretty sure that one kid was cussing. I have no idea what he said, but I'm sure it was not pretty at all. So um, this morning, we're, we are in Matthew chapter 5. We are in, in it's kind of still at the beginning of this series called Win-Win. Um, I told you uh, that Jesus was kind of turning the corner, and he was going to start spending a lot of time talking about things that we do, right? So um, the rest of chapter 5 is all going to be about activities, actions, things that we do. And so I want to make sure I remind you about what the win is in this, in this kingdom series. So win, win. What, what is the win for us? And here's what it is. Let's just pull it down, right? The win in the kingdom is when we see ourselves the way that God does, when our identity comes from him, right? So when identity fuels activity, that's a win. Now, how you lose is when your activity tries to fuel your identity. And you know people that do this. Maybe even you do this. You act a certain way to try to pretend to be a certain thing. But God wants to flip that. He wants you to be who he said you are, and that will fuel your activity. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here, then I want you to remember this. This is super important, especially in light of today. Holy cow, this is going to be a tough one. He's already accomplished what he's going to ask you to do. Okay? So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is going to raise the standard, right? He says, you've heard it said this, but now I say this. And so he's going to say, well, here's what you've been trying to do, but now I'm going to call you to something even higher. And the crazy thing about that is, you know, the people he was talking to, whenever he would say, this is what you've heard was said, they weren't even doing that. They weren't even really keeping that law. And he said, now I'm going to ask you to do more. So if, the, if you're tracking with me, this is a good time for us to be like, oh, snap. If I couldn't do that, how am I going to do this? And I need you to know that this isn't calling you to more activity to try to prove who you are. This is just a reminder that what Jesus is calling us to, that higher standard, he's already met it. That's why he came. That's why he went to the cross. He's already accomplished it. And so what he's telling us is, hey, if I've done it for you and I've transformed your life, then you can do it as well. Quick testimony about what we're going to talk about because I need you to know where I'm coming from. This is one of those teachings where um, I'm not really the expert telling you what to do, right? I'm more like we're all in this together. I don't don't think I'm ever that way, but I just want to make sure you know, like I'm not being, you better do these things. What I'm saying is Jesus is looking at all of us, and he's going to talk about anger. He's going to talk about the way that we speak when we're angry. He's going to talk about the way that we sin when we're angry. And and I understand that because I used to be a completely different person than I am today. So today is my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Laura. Woo! Do you know, and Laura's like one of the sweetest people I know, she went to my mom. And she said to my mom, I'm afraid for Paul's wife. This was before I met Wendy. So, and my mom was like, why? And she said, because he's going he's gonna to beat her. Why would she say that? Oh, because I'd hit her with a baseball bat. Because I, one time I hit her so hard I left a handprint. 
<laughs> Pipe down. <laughs> because I, I understand rage. I know what it's like to hit a hole in a wall and then put a poster over it so your parents don't find it. <laughs> to all the teens in the house, parents always find it. Okay, confess right away, right? I know what that's like. So what I, what I want you to know first is when I read these scriptures, man, they hit home to me, right? But the beautiful thing, and I, this is the hope I'm calling you to before we get into the really hard stuff, the transforming power of the gospel. Here's the beauty of it. Wendy would not recognize the brother that she had because Jesus has changed my life. From the inside out. So we're not talking about behavior modification. You know, change the words that you use. Count to 10. I mean, 20. Wait, this is really bad. Count to 100. Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about heart transformation. And Jesus is saying, I can call you to a higher standard because you're a new creature. The old person couldn't do this, but the new person will do this. Okay, are you with me? Identity fuels activity. That's so, so important because I'm telling you, we're going to read these scriptures and you're going to be like, oh, God, help me. Right? Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 21 to 26. Let's read it quick together and then um, we'll just jump in. Jesus says, you've heard that our ancestors were told. So, again, here's the, you were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But now I say, if you're even angry with someone... And you're subject, then you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Can we just stop the message here and repent? I mean, did that not just describe every trip to Walmart? <laughs> the progression of anger that you feel, right? Like when people get in your way, it's just, that's hard. So Jesus continues. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Verse 25, when you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens... You surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to be up front. Like, um, we're going to do two things today. We're going to talk about the problem, and we're going to talk about the solution. But let's talk first about what the problem isn't. What is not the problem? The problem is not anger. Everybody go, whew, right? The problem is not anger. So what I'm not saying today is don't ever get angry. And here's why. And I'm going to, you're going to have to jot these down fast. We're going to go really quick. Because God got angry. Here's a couple scriptures for you. Exodus chapter 4 verse 14. He got angry at unbelief because the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron? And the reason he was angry is because he had told Moses, I want you to go and tell Tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and Moses' response was, but God. And God was like, are you kidding me right now? I called you. And he became angry with Moses. God got angry again in Exodus chapter 22. He got angry with the abuse of foreigners. You must not mistreat 
or oppress foreigners in any way. Exodus 22, verse 21. Remember that you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. Verse 24, this is God talking. He says, my anger will blaze against you. In Judges chapter 2, God got angry at idolatry. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal, verses 13 and 14, Judges 2. And this made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. Now, I can hear some of you because you're like, you are my Bible scholars. Oh, man, that's Old Testament. That's, that's before Jesus came. Yeah, yeah, but do you remember a couple weeks ago when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law, right? So God got angry, sure, in the Old Testament, but look what happened in the New Testament with Jesus. Jesus got angry in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says, he looked around at them angrily. Now, why would he, who was he mad at? Who was Jesus mad at? He was mad at the religious leaders because they were upset with him because he wanted to heal a man on the Sabbath. And he got angry about that. John chapter 2. The whole, just read the whole John chapter 2. You'll find Jesus in a temple cleansing the temple. He got angry at cheaters. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever heard a sermon about Jesus cleansing the temple? And it'll usually go, like, we read that story and we're like, see, my anger is justified. Jesus got angry. If he, he got, and he got so mad, he started throwing tables all over the place. He got a whip and started whipping people. And before long, we have used that story to justify being that German kid beating his keyboard. But that's not the point that Jesus was making. He wasn't using their sin as, a re, as an outlet for his sinful anger because Jesus never sinned. He was upset because those people were making it hard for poor people to get into the presence of God. They had turned religion into an exclusive club, and he was angry about that. And yet we know that Jesus never sinned. So it's possible that we probably could be angry and not sin. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, Paul got angry. Not this Paul. We know that happens. But Paul that wrote most of the New Testament, he got angry. If you read the whole book of Galatians, right, that entire letter is basically Paul being angry. In part of that letter, he's angry at Peter. I know this does not relate to anybody here except the person next to you. For living hypocritically. Because Peter would act one way when he was around the Jews and act another way when he was around the Gentiles. And Paul called him on that and got angry. He got angry at the Galatians because they had started. He said, who bewitched you, right? Who, you started serving God and loving God based on his grace, and now you're trying to earn it through your works. The entire letter of Galatians is an angry letter. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, this is good news for us apparently means that you and I also can get angry because the New Living Translation says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. You might have a translation that says, be angry and sin not. So the problem is not anger. The problem is how we handle anger, how we deal with anger. So a lot of people want to take this part of the Sermon on the Mount, and they want to say this. Jesus just said that if you get angry with people, it's like you're a murderer. But is that what he said? No. Because he's not dealing with anger. He's dealing with something deeper in us that causes that anger, triggers inside of us that would make us walk down a path that could lead towards murder. He's making a huge statement, y'all. 
He's saying, look, you, you just try not to kill people. But I'm saying, like, if you're angry without cause at somebody else, you are heading down a slippery slope towards the very thing that will lead to murder. And most of us are just like, I'm just mad. Right. We, we, we can't imagine, like, Jesus, we can't imagine even the possibility of being angry and not sinning. Because what we typically do is when we get angry, we rage, we blow our top, we lose control. I don't have the clip to show you, but I know you've seen the movie Inside Out, right? We become anger. And it's just like, right? That's us. That's how we typically respond when things make us angry. And so Jesus is showing us this progression in verse 22. It's a hard verse. I want to walk you quickly through this progression, okay, just the way anger tends to progress if we don't kind of check it before it gets too far. So Jesus said this, but I say, verse 22, if you are even angry with someone, and you probably have a translation that either has a footnote there or you might actually have the words without cause or without reason. So we know that it's, not, it's okay to be angry because I just showed you that God's angry, Jesus is angry, Paul's angry, we can be angry. But the problem is when we become angry without cause, and when that happens, we step into an area where we begin to start judging superiority, okay? We're angry without, we have no reason to be angry, but we find ourselves angry at somebody. They've done nothing to us. We're just ticked. And the Bible says that when we do that, when we're angry without cause, we begin to judge superiority. We start to think things like, I'm better than you. I know this is heady so let's use a real life example that i'm sure doesn't apply to you some of us in the room in the mornings when we're getting ready for work or school sleep as late as we possibly can we snooze like nobody's business and when we finally get up out of the bed and look at the clock we're like oh i better get it in the gear all right you've said these words in your head and we get dressed fast we brush our teeth fast we leave the house, but we feel good about it, right? Because it's going to take us, let's say, 10 minutes to drive to work or wherever we're going. And we left the house with 10 minutes and one second. So we're like, I'm good. I got a second to spare, baby. We head out the door, and you start driving down those small two-lane country Stanley County roads. And sure as the world, that person pulls out in front of you, and they're driving slow the speed limit, right? <laughs> and here's what you do in the car. Golly, are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me right now? I had one second to spare. I I'm so good with time management, y'all. I snoozed five times. I put off getting dressed, and I still got out the door with a second to spare. And this Yahoo in front of me, who can't even tell time, probably pulled out, and he, now I'm going to be late because of you. Newsflash, you're late because of you. But you have now judged with anger without cause. The person in front of you, who, by the way, probably left 15 minutes early and is not in a hurry to get where they're going. Right? If you, if you find your life, if you are a ticking time bomb and that's all it takes to set you off, 
you're in dangerous territory. As somebody who understands rage, right, you're in dangerous territory because somebody who does nothing to you can cause that kind of reaction in you. And Jesus says that if you do that, you're subject to judgment. Now, the bad news is we're just getting started, y'all. Okay? So the next step in the progression, if you don't check your anger there, it leads to the next step. And he says, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. So what happens here is we move from judging superiority, and what I mean by that is I'm a better person than you because, like, I was going to be on time until you pulled out, and I'm a better time manager, a better driver, a better everything, and now I'm, ugh. We move from that to now you're not just saying things about them, about like you being better, you're saying things like, that person's an idiot. What an idiot. What a loser. how they even get their license? And that word, when he says, if you call someone an idiot, that word in the Aramaic language is rakha. Doesn't that just sound like something you would say when you're mad? You rakha. <laughs> now we got some... We got some rockers in the room, and you're like, no, nah, what, what you're saying is rock on. No, he's saying rock on. And what that meant was, you idiot. That was actually a term that rabbis used whenever they would excommunicate, excommunicate people from the fellowship. They would say, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave because you're a rock on. So when we step from judging superiority, we begin to judge character. And it cuts off fellowship, y'all. Community is not even possible because what you said is, I'm too good to be around you. I know I'm better at time management, but just on a character, personal level, I'm a better person than you are. You're a raka, and I'm not. And so we can't have fellowship. And you're thinking all this stuff while you're driving behind that slow person. You just didn't know it was in Scripture, right? Hmm. Last stop on the unchecked anger train. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Cursing someone was equal to saying that they were deserving of hell. So you move from judging superiority to judging character, and now you're judging their eternal destiny. You're actually saying you deserve hell. Now, let's just um, let's differentiate between southern cussing and biblical cursing. Okay, cussing, you know, that's defined by culture, right? That we have certain four-letter words that thou shalt not ever say. And so if you're a good Christian, you've learned to substitute those with Christian cuss words. Oh, shoot. Fudgesicle, Right? But what Jesus is getting at is not the word you're saying, the heart behind the word you're saying, right? I, I have been around Christians who have said fudgesicle, and they cussed way more than people I've been around who didn't substitute the word. They just used the appropriate word so nobody would catch them on what was really going on in their heart. Jesus is saying here, you're cursing someone which is the equivalent of, sorry to all the parents in the room, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, when you say, like, go to hell. Well, I would never say that. I would just use the one-finger salute. Right, which is the same thing. 
You know, I've actually been flipped off by people driving cars with Christian bumper stickers. What? How does that even happen? I just think to myself, they probably just borrowed somebody's car, right? It's weird. It's weird the things that we'll do. And what I want you to see is that Jesus is pointing it out. And he's saying it's a really big deal, y'all. It's a big deal. Because it reveals something deeper than just the words that we're saying. Now, when you judge somebody's eternal destiny, it's like, who do we, who do we think we are to sit in a seat and basically say, listen, I don't even know your name, but you're a slow driver. You're making me late, and you're an idiot, and just blah, 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 blah. Who gave us the right to make that judgment call? Nobody. But we do it all the time. We curse people all the time. And we don't have that right. Now, you know who does have that right? No, not your spouse. I know what you're thinking. It's Jesus, right? And so in Matthew chapter 23, verse 17, Jesus actually used the same word. So when he said in, in our passage, he said, look, don't curse somebody. That word is, is moros in the Greek. And from moros, what word do you think we get? No, macron. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, moron. We get moron, right? So Jesus used that same word in Matthew chapter 23, verse 17. He said to the Pharisees, blind fools. And so he called them the very thing that we're not supposed to call people. So how, how does that happen? Well, first off, it's because Jesus can sit in the seat. He can make decisions and, and judgment calls about people's eternity because he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? And he didn't do it with a bunch of sin in his heart. He did it with compassion in his heart. We can't sit in that seat. Blind fools. Does anybody else here pity? I pity the fool when you hear that. Is it just me? So we just divide the whole church in half like Rocky Three and people who don't know what I'm talking about. Mr. T, come on, y'all. Who's there? Who's with me? Yeah. You got a prediction for the fight? Prediction? Pain. Right? I pity the fool. I love that. I love that story. Come on, y'all. Eye the tiger. Come on. Yeah. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. So, listen. That's the progression, right? So if we don't check our anger, then we start going down this progression. We go from judging superiority to judging character to judging people's eternal destinies. And that's not good, right? Like, I don't know where you are in all that, but I'm just thinking, holy cow, like, I'm guilty of every bit of that. And then it gets worse. So before we get to the solution, how many of you want a solution? Okay, three of you. Great. Okay, so I'm really doing a good job today. First service was a lot hungrier. I'm just kidding. I know we want a solution. But before we get there, let's just dig a little bit deeper. Um, Matthew chapter 12 Verses 34 to 36. And just listen. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And just listen to the things that he says, okay? It's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Jesus says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. See, the mouth always reveals the heart. Have you, ever, have you ever had a word slip out of your mouth and you were like, 
the most surprised person in the room. Oh, where did that come from? The heart, right? It came from the heart. Jesus continues, verse 35, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So um, I, how many of you have, anybody have a storage unit? Or, okay, so I, I've, I've got one. Sometimes my dream is to put really old stuff in my storage unit and then come back like a couple months later and open the door and pull out like a state-of-the-art fridge. Wouldn't that be great? Like it's got the touch screen. Like I could right there plug it in at the storage unit and just order groceries at the end. But how many of you, that'll never happen, right? And why is that? Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I never put I never put that fridge in there. Like whatever I put in the storage unit is what I'm going to pull out of the storage unit. This is a storage unit verse, right? I, I love, okay, uh, just, just quick rant here. No, no anger, just, just quick rant. I love people that say, Garbage in and garbage out isn't true. Like, I, I was 20, 25 years a youth pastor, right? So I heard this all the time. I would tell kids all the time, like, you got to think about what you're letting into your body. You got to think about what you're letting into your mind. You got to think about what you're putting in because whatever you put in is going to come out. And they would always go, nah, that's not true. But Jesus said it. Whatever you put in is what's going to come out. And they'd be like, nah. I'm too, I'm, too, I'll, I'm too smart for that. And then those would be the kids that would, like, listen to horrible music with really bad messages, and then they'd always be angry. Like, why are you so mad? I don't know. I mean, could it be what you'll say? No. Okay. You've probably seen this in your own life. I bet you that you have binged a show, and then the next week, you thought like that show. You talked like that show. You sounded like the character in that show. Whatever goes in is what's going to come out. That's what Jesus is saying. So you can see the anger is not the problem. The problem is what's inside of us. And what triggers it brings that out. And Jesus is trying to get to that. So look at this last verse, verse 36. And I tell you, you must give an account on judgment day for every, everybody say every. Every, every idle word you speak. Every. Now, y'all know I speak for a living. I'm the sarcasm is like my love language. I read a verse like that and I break into a sweat. Because I don't know how you are when you really get angry, but I know how I can be. And have you ever just gone off and then, like, five minutes later, you don't have any idea what you said? Those are careless words. Don't point, do not point people out. <laughs> You're all like. <laughs> Man, I can relate to careless words, you know. But they're all coming from your heart. And what Jesus wants us to do is he wants to check this. So, so the, the Greek word for careless, here's what it means. Um, it means idle. It means lazy. And this is the one that really grabbed me. It means barren. So, so check this out. If we can only bring good out of the good that we've stored in us, then if we've never stored the truth of God in us, then we can never speak words that have any power to bring life in any situation. And we're going to be called to account for that. Every barren 
word spoken. Okay, I need a solution. Yes? Okay, so um, the solution is check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, the, the big idea says it like this. Anger unchecked will turn into a wreck, right? And I want to make sure before we get to these, um, these quick just applications and solutions that you remember this is not about the words that, say, that are coming out of your mouth. The words that come out of your mouth are an indicator of what's in your heart, okay? Because if, you're not, if you don't catch that, then, then this is going to give you pressure to try to be a good Christian, Right? What does a good Christian say when they're angry? Uh, you just say stuff, right? <laughs> right? You just say stuff. A, a, a Christian says words when they're angry. And if you've stored good word in your heart, those are the words that will come out. Now listen, um, she's going to hate me when I finish this story, but it's okay because she loves me. Um, <laughs> When we were living in Lake Wiley in Clover, we were serving at a church. And we, man, it's just a great time, great season in our life. We loved it. But God just said it's time to, it's time to be gone, and we were leaving. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been a part of that, but like somebody's at, on staff at a church, and then suddenly they're gone. And it's like, you think, what happened? Did something happen? But it really, God just said it's time, you know. So we announced it to the youth group, and, you know, there's just tears and snot everywhere for, for me, basically. And then um, we had two, a couple, that they're just really good friends. They stuck, they were in our lives in one of the hardest times of our lives. We had Parker and Will. They were seven weeks early. Um, they weighed two pounds and 15 ounces and three pounds and 14 ounces. They were small. And so we were going from Lake Wiley to Pineville back and forth every day because they were in the NICU for 11 days and 16 days, respect, respectively. So this couple, man, they loved us. They were good friends to us. They would, they, would, they would hold our kids and just tell us to go lay down. And then three days later, They'd still be holding our kids. We'd be like, how long have we been sleeping? Like, oh, we just knew you were really tired. Man, those are, from, those are friends, right? Well, they came over to our house, and they were just as hurt as we were. Like, you know, what, like, we're all trying to process, like, what, what is God doing? Like, what's happening at one point? Wendy, bless her heart, you know, Wendy is like the most pure person inside of heaven of anybody I know. She said, what the hell? And she stopped right there, and she caught herself, and she finished it with, So that was the day that the phrase, what the hell, was born in our family, right? <laughs> the point is that what fueled that is what God really wants to deal with. Not whether it was helk or heck or H-E double hockey sticks or fudge sickle or bless your heart or one of my favorite, <laughs> you're adorable. Right? I mean, <laughs> he wants to deal with what's in our heart. Because what did we just read, right? The heart, the heart is what fuels the mouth. So the words you speak are revealing what you've stored in your heart. So solution. Here we go. This is really, this is really be fast. How do we check ourselves um, when it comes to anger? Number one, make it a priority. Not the anger, but checking yourself. So Jesus said this. 
He said, deal with it immediately, right? Make it a priority. Look what he says. If you're presenting, in verse 23, a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, if you're at church during the third song of a phenomenal worship set, and as you're standing there with your hands raised singing to Jesus, you're all automatically, all, all of a sudden you're thinking about somebody else, and oh, I hate I said what I said. I wonder if they're still mad about it. Jesus says, make that a priority. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, shut up with your singing and leave the church and make it right and then come back. He says, make it a party. Andy Stanley, I love his teaching. He says it like this, pay attention to the tension. So when you feel that tension, pay attention to that and ask yourself, wait a second, am I, why do I feel that? Maybe I should make sure things are okay. Jesus says it's such a priority. You've got to deal with that now. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Seek reconciliation at any time as long as there is time. Even on the way to court, he says, as you're going to court, like, hey, can we make a deal? Can we make a deal? Can we make a deal? Just seek reconciliation. Right? Make it a priority. And then number two, do it quickly. Do it quickly. Verse 23 says, um, you suddenly remember. <laughs> I love that. God's so gracious. We don't really ever suddenly remember that we've made somebody mad, do we? Like, we always kind of know. I'd say when, when God suddenly reminds you, uh, hello, time to deal with that. When you suddenly remember it. And what does it say in verse 25? It says, settle your differences quickly. And here's why. You ever heard the phrase, time heals all wounds? Yet time can't heal what time has buried. You should write that down. Time can't heal what time has buried. What we typically do in our relationships is something happens today, and we know that we should deal with it today quickly, but we say, you know what, I'm going to give it a little bit of time. They're kind of hot. I'm kind of hot. We'll take a little bit of space. Everybody breathe a little bit. I'll check, with, check in with them next week, and the next week comes, you don't check in with them. You know why? The tension's starting to go away. And then a month later, and then six months later, and that's how families will go years with never talking to each other. Deal with it quickly. Time can't heal what time is bearing. So when God reveals it, take the steps to heal it. And trust me on this. Here's how we're going to close. God will reveal it. He will. Daniel chapter 2, verse 22 says this about God. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, even though he is surrounded by light. God reveals hidden things. If you're struggling with that concept, a couple more verses just to jot them down. You can read them later. Jeremiah 33, 3, Luke 8, 17, Luke 12, 2, and 3. Just know this. God reveals what's hidden so he can heal it. Um, depending on your view of God, you think that he wants to reveal things in your life so he can expose them to everybody else and shame you. But God doesn't do that. He reveals what's hidden because he wants to heal it. Anybody work in the medical profession? A lot of you. This would be a good place to get sick. Healed. Healed. Speak it in faith. Um, the craziest thing happens when you go to a doctor. 
they push and push and push until they get to the real problem, don't they? I've always chuckled at that. Like you walk in with like a busted arm or something and the doctor's like, what's wrong? It's my busted arm. Oh, well, where does it hurt? Where the big cut is? Does that hurt? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. What about that? Yes. Like they'll push and push and push until they get to the issue. Um, I've been in India on medical mission trips, not doing the medical part, just making funny faces with kids. But I've watched the medical people on those trips. I've watched them treat burns. I've watched them clean wounds. And do you know how they do that? They hurt you. They pour stuff on you, and they don't tell you it's going to hurt first. They just like pour it, and you go, ow. And they're like, yeah, that's going to hurt. No kidding. My arm has acid in it right now. Thank you. Peroxide, whatever, they're just, they're just going to, and they'll pull and pull and pull at that dead skin, the burned skin, whatever that is. They will dig until they get to the place where all of that infection is gone. And that's the foundation that they begin to clean from. You know why that's such a good thing? Because if they tried to heal you without getting all that infection out, it's just going to keep growing. They love you enough to fix it, even though they know it's going to hurt you. This morning, God's probably kind of hurting you a little bit, right? If you're like me, I mean, I'm just reading this going, oh, God, please, like, just shut my mouth. Never let me speak again, right? I I mean, just fix my heart, fix my mouth. Like, God, do a work in me that's so deep that it would transform even the words that come out of my mouth. And he will do that. He will reveal the things in you. But here's the hard part. He's going to use people to do it. If you start asking God to reveal the things in you that trigger you, he will send people in your life that trigger you. Hashtag triggered, right? And we want to wear it like a badge. And God's like, I'm just trying to pick at that wound to get to the bottom of it so I can heal you. So when you start to get triggered... Instead of just going off on somebody, ask God, what are you revealing in me? What is it in me? Why am I reacting the way I'm reacting? Why am I suddenly like, right? Because anger is just an emotion, y'all. And it can be used for good or for bad. I love the scene in Inside Out when one of the emotions, I don't know which one it is, makes anger so mad that he blows his top. And then she puts the welding mask on and turns him sideways and goes through the glass like she figured out how to use anger right like anger is not a bad thing we should be angry about some stuff I sh- we should be angry that people die in this world from diseases that could be cured with something that costs five dollars we should be angry that people are taken in human trafficking we should be angry that two buildings burned in our town today and most people that live in Albemarle probably don't even care because it's, it's just Albemarle I don't even like this city anyway. That should make us mad. It's a good thing when we let God use it for his glory. But before he can do that, we have to say, God, fix my heart. Heal whatever it is in me that causes me to react the wrong way when I get angry. And he will. He will. Now, you could this morning, 
I could give an altar call, and my guess is if you are living and breathing, we should all be at the altar this morning, right? Because we can all think of things we said in the car on the way here that should drive us to the altar. But the truth of the matter is that's way too easy. That's way too easy. So we would do this. We would actually come to the altar, and we would sing a worship song, and it'd be, it would be awesome. And we would, like, pray and ask God to forgive us, and we'd feel so good, and we would actually not live out the Scripture I just taught you. Because Jesus says, if you're doing that and remember that somebody might have something against you, don't do that. Go do that and then come back here and do this. And so that's what I want to call you to. I just want to pray over you this morning that God would reveal what's hidden inside you. He would use people to do it and that you would reconcile quickly with people that you need to. And any Sunday that you're here and we're in the middle of worship set or I'm preaching and I see you jump up and grab your phone and walk out, I'm just going to say to myself, that's awesome. God, you just reminded them that they need to make it right with somebody. You might be walking out because you just hate the sermon. But I'm going to think. <laughs> they're living out Matthew chapter 5. I love that. Never hesitate to make it right with people. Never, because anger that's unchecked will always, everybody say always, always lead to a wreck. And we do not want to create wrecks at all. Come on, let's stand up. I'm going to pray over you. And then um, the band is just going to come out and they're going to, they're going to sing you out, okay? They're going to send you out and sing and stand in your love because I love that song. I love the message that it conveys. You could be standing here today just kind of feeling like you're a failure. Man, you're not a failure, right? This is something that all of us are going to deal with. The good news is we're going to talk about stuff like this all month long. Next week it might be worse. Huh, it won't be worse. It might be. I don't know. We'll see. Father, Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Even when it hurts, even when it cuts, um, the good news is at least we all know that we're in this together. Not one single person in this room can't relate to what you were teaching us today in your word. And I thank you that you have a heart to expose the hidden things because you want to heal them. And I pray that as a result of that, man, our words would never be barren. They would always carry the power of life in your name Jesus Amen